Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Well, Smiley, there we have it. Team Europe is the winner of the 2023 Ryder Cup. And listen, it was it was a furious and spirited rally from Team USA on Sunday in singles. It looked like for a second there, there was a path to a win for the Americans, but it ends up 16 and a half to 11 and a half in the Europeans favor and amazing celebrations that ensued. Um, you said before the Ryder Cup began, we were going to see a lot of excitement at, at the 16th hole. And boy, did we all week long. And that is, of course, where the Ryder Cup ended with Ricky Fowler conceding a birdie putt to Tommy Fleetwood, giving Europe that last half point they needed to clinch. Um, just we're going to do an in-depth breakdown of this Ryder Cup later in the week, and, and we'll get to a little bit here. But I just want to start with the atmosphere, like how cool it was being there. You talked about this yesterday, being on site. There were people swimming in the pond on 16 that you got on video and put on your social accounts. The Campiones chance we saw at the trophy podium. It felt like we were watching a Premier League or a Champions League win. I just want to hear from you atmosphere-wise where this event ranks for you amongst all the events, you know, maybe golf or otherwise that you've been to. Man, it uh, it trumps anything I've ever been a part of wow. in golf. I mean, it's not even close wow. really either. Uh, I've been in the final group of the masters and what I saw this week was, was cooler than that. Um, and that's, listen, it, it's, you can't beat major championship, winning a major championship, um, beating an entire field, but playing with a team, playing with other players, it's, it's something you don't get to do week in and week out. And, you know, the Europeans embraced it. Uh, so do the Americans. And there was a lot of question marks, whether they, they were a, a close knit team, but I think there were a lot of conflicting reports that uh, tried to turn this American team against each other a little mm. bit. But um, as you saw today, there was a ton of fight in that American squad. And, and, you know, it always feels like in singles plays in singles play that the Americans are always never out of it because the Europeans are just so good in the foursomes and they've been pretty, pretty good in the best ball as well. But really those foursomes um, proved to be the difference this week because, you know, it got very interesting towards the end, really the energy to start the day. There was a lot of blue on the board in the first four or five matches. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is going to be an absolute stinker today. I thought that Europe may win the session, uh, meaning all of the 12 uh, talking about the 12 matches, if they win, you know, six points or more, they would win the session. Um, I thought they were going to do that. And and I thought they could sneaky blow out the Americans mm -hmm. to where it would be a uh, record breaking points amount that the Europeans might get. But uh, that didn't end up happening. I think when the middle of the lineup uh, teed off, a lot of red got on the board. And, and then it started kind of shifting towards... And when John Rahm and Scotty Sheffer got on, I'd say their 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th hole were like, hold on. We, there's a lot of red in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. And it actually really seems like this match with John Rahm and Scotty Sheffer could be the difference if everything holds true. But um, it was a, a, a huge half that John Rahm got because it just gave them a little bit of that wiggle room for a guy like Tommy Fleetwood at the end to get that half. Or if anybody else would have turned it around, like Matthew Fitzpatrick, if he uh, would have gotten a half out of that Max Homa match, which 
definitely can't wait oh. to talk about in depth oh about goodness. Max Homa's week. Um, you know, just just the the stones that he had to make that putt. But um, man, overall, just uh, back to kind of the atmosphere in general. The uh, the crowds like insane. The jingles and and the songs. Like <laughs> Francie and I have had a, a different song in our head every thirty minutes because there's so I many. And whether it's cheering about the players or cheering yes. just about uh, just something ra- random, like one of them was, if you're handsome in, you know, it's stomp your feet. And then everybody in the stands <laughs> would stomp their feet. It's just it's not, all we have it at USA events is USA chance. And I believe that we can win and we can do so much better so than that. So much better. <laughs> so, so much better. Uh, I mean, I, it was li- I was watching Tommy Fleetwood's interview and just the whole crowd that just w- behind him that would not stop singing Tommy, Tommy, yes, Tommy. And it was just so cool, man. Some of it's so simple and and I think part of it, it it's so interesting the difference in fan culture, you know, not not to sound overly snooty here, but I'm a Tottenham fan. I've been over to watch a couple of matches at the old White Hart Lane. And when you go there for the first time as an American and you're sitting there and you're listening to just these these songs that that it, at first it could sound a little bit, you know, you think, is, is this a little corny? Is this a little cliche? But it really it creates sort of an energy and an atmosphere that is just it's just different. It's just it, it gets everybody involved in sort of a collective. And I think that, you know, it may sound silly, but there's something there about just giving your team a little bit of go guys, you know, again, in a soccer and a football sense, we'll talk about hearing a song and kind of giving them a little bit of extra energy in the middle of the match where they need something. And they leverage that into, into a win. I think we saw that um, this week. I'm, I'm curious to, you know, we're talking about differences here between American crowd, American atmosphere and, and both teams. One that has been talked about kind of, you know, since the things ended, I'm watching press conferences, I'm hearing Jordan Spieth answer questions about it, is the difference in the prep leading into the Ryder Cup. And there was a lot made of, I mean, we talked about on this podcast, you know, at length about the Europeans playing a lot of competitive golf and the lead up to the Ryder Cup. We talked about the BMW PGA Championship, all 12 guys make the cut, seven of those guys finished in the top 10. And the only two Americans who played after the Tour Championship were Max Homa and Justin Thomas of the Fortinet, and they're responsible for five of Team USA's 11 and a half points this week. So I just wonder, let's play this forward a little bit. Let's look to, to Beth Page Black in 2025. Could you see Team USA trying to play more events in the lead up to that? And could you see some of those events being DP World Tour events, just given the way the PGA Tour schedule you know, works out on a yearly basis? Um. Well, just to kind of start on all that, I mean, yes, the Americans were not informed to start the day um, on Friday. They got punched in the gut immediately thinking, you know, that we are informed. But then you get out there and, and then you especially in that alternate not alter, alternate shot format. It's a very uncomfortable um, yeah. way to play golf. And really, you have to be in such good form because it, it's so awkward. And uh, I thought it was very very smart by the Europeans to start out the Ryder Cup in with the foursomes in the morning, which has not been traditional. And yeah, man, uh, I definitely think going into the next Ryder Cup, that is going to be a huge topic of conversation is, is, uh, and maybe it's back towards the European side too. Mm -hmm. Are they going to continue to play over there before the Ryder Cup? Because I think there is an element of jet lag, a long week, a hot week, and when we kind of turn the page towards Beth page in a couple of years, you know, it's potentially going to be cooler. You know, they, the guys do have an opportunity to play over, over on our side 
of the pond, playing PGA Tour fall events if they'd like. And they'd be easier to do that and not have to go play across the country on the West Coast and then try to get over to Rome. So I definitely understand why the travel logistics didn't make sense. Like, would would it be better to be more rested or play? And I, I can definitely see why guys definitely took time off. But um, and just one more last thing on the crowds and, and kind of made me think of Beth Page and just a, a typical New York crowd and how crazy yes. they are and how aggressive they can be this week in Rome was, was incredible. And the fact that I never really felt like it was hostile. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it was a great crowd. And the fact that they were cheering for their guys, you know, the cap thing was as about as hostile as I ever heard. Yeah. And I remember the Europeans complaining about, the fans at whistling straight saying they were saying all these nasty things, this and that. I never got that from this European crowd. And I can't attest to the whistling straights uh, stuff because I wasn't there. But still, um, it was I feel like the game of golf uh, was in a, a really good place this weekend with this crowd and the players. And and uh, it just was a it was a fantastic Ryder Cup and um, definitely one to remember for sure. Just to to go off on a tangent for a second, because you noted it there about that relationship between the crowd and the players and sometimes the caddies and the captains. I, you know, I thought it was really cool at the end to see the entire American team go over and shake each hand of, of the European players. And obviously, I was I was I was wondering how long that line went. Like, are we going to see a Joe LaCava, Rory McIlroy handshake? Uh, but we, of course, did not. But I think that was a cool moment to kind of bring it back together and just emphasize the sportsmanship of this entire event. Um, I think it is worth kind of trying to put a bow on this whole Rory, Joe LaCava, Shane Lowry, Patrick Cantlay, Bones storyline. It, it was interesting. There were reports that came out at the beginning of the day that said, you know, he that he met with uh, Joe LaCava overnight. And, and yeah, it's weird because we then Car Vegas asked. Yeah, we confirmed we it, asked it. Him. it was really odd um, because we apparently, according to our sources, that they had met. So it, we wouldn't report it unless we had confirmation on it. And then the interview was was like opposite of that. So. Well, so he, um, here's just the, really the sure. detail on that. It's because he told Cara Banks twice, I did not meet with Joe. But then in that handshake line, we we heard on a hot mic him talking to Steve Sturker, and he said, I texted Joe, we're okay. I, it just the whole thing is interesting. It, it, if you really want to get meta with this and you want to zoom out and just talk about the whole media week well, at large, like with reports yeah. on the Patrick Canley thing, what was the kind of the feeling out there of just – just that whole it was like it was like this third actor it's like you have the crowd the fans but then like these reports in the media and just the influence that that had on the entire week i wonder what your overall sense of this as you sense of that is as you come out of the week well i think it had an effect on today's matches i think it fired up both teams and i think both both teams came out with with more passion today and, and in that singles play but you know when we had talked about it last night the only video i had seen was the Rory McIlroy yelling yes. video at Joe Lacava. I, I was taking your word for everything I saw that you saw on the 18th green. And my perspective has changed. Um, I, did a little bit. I did not see that additional angle either. I assume that's what you're talking about. The, the, um, the full, the full video. Yeah. 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 And, and I remember you, well, first off, I thought you said the match was a halved match as well. Like that was to win the match for Cantlay. It, 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 no, yes, I was saying Rory's putt was to have the match. Rory had a oh, putt so to I misheard all of it. So it, yeah. I, we didn't. I'm just going to clean that up a little bit from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and the sure. fact that 
I I saw both sides of it, but now I don't see both sides of it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I I am one hundred percent team Rory on this. Joe Lacava was in the wrong. Joe Lacava is a great guy. I know Joe Lacava. He's he's very well respected from the entire golf community. You know, working for Tiger Woods on the bag and um, so many other great players. And he was one hundred percent in the wrong. Rory McIlroy had already started his routine and. When a player is in their routine and a caddy inserts themselves into the action, that is 100% wrong. It should not have happened. And Roy had every single right to be upset about the situation. And last night, I don't think I I saw both sides of it. I saw Joe's side to try mm-hmm. to protect his man, which I get. But from what the other angle I saw, he was doing the hat thing to the American team. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't towards Shane Lowry. And so I, I, I saw this the wrong way. I, I looked at it the wrong way and um, just wanted just to say that um, definitely Joe was in the wrong and Roy definitely got maybe a little bit too upset about it. But I, I definitely see where he's coming from. And I, I would be upset, too, because if, if somebody did that to me in a big moment like that, where a big putt like that, you lose a little bit momentum and give a little bit of hope back to the American side coming in today. It proved to not be um, an issue in the end. And the fact that the Europeans won by five points, but, but still that whole situation definitely one to remember. And I think we'll keep an eye on stuff with Patrick Cantley moving forward. What's true. What's not true with him. And, um, and the fact that everything that he said in, in, in interviews was the fact that, all, everything was a lie and um do, do we knew that to be true i i don't believe the locker room stuff and the fact that patrick and xander were sitting in a different area mm-hmm. that the hat thing i can understand if the hat doesn't fit because you have <laughs> are you a big head guy i can't remember if you're like a, a hat. huge head guy okay yeah. so like yeah. you you understand a, a tight fitting hat so i, I can't can do under- it <laughs> okay, so I can understand I mean, we, that. We had a but... whole segment on this podcast about how to iron your big hats. So they sit down because we <laughs> cannot figure it right. I mean, I, I and I think I'm a. I'm glad you brought that up because I had also I had not seen that angle, and we got a lot of comments on YouTube about this. And by the way, absolutely love it. Even if you're disagreeing with us, it, it the the engagement and the conversation is fantastic. So are we getting smoked I, on it? I, I actually I got smoked on it, which I think is fair. I, I did not see the other angle, and so well, I think they the the main point being made is that you know I didn't have that extra angle and know the extent of what Joe Lacava did, and okay. I think upon seeing that angle where he continued to back into his line, and Rory actually you can see him watching Joe back up. And, he, and he's not saying anything yet, but then re- when Joe really comes close to his field of vision, he says something, and then Joe kind of goes after him. That's an angle I hadn't seen at that point. And, and I, I agree with you. I mean, now that having been said, I, I, I just I like it all for the entertainment value. Like, I, I, I think that it's it's fair to stick up for Rory and say that that was a Bush League move by Joe LaCava. But I just I like the what it adds to the theater, the whole event. And I think that, you know, and you heard guys talking about this today. I think Cantlay said something to this effect where he's like, yeah, I was getting it from the crowd all week long and I love it. You know, like that's the way this should be. People should care about this. People should be invested in it. You know, the stuff that's on the borderline, you know, it, it's it's you know, maybe some of the stuff is out of bounds. But largely, it's nice to have the crowd, the home crowd going after the visiting players. And sometimes the visiting players saying something to the crowd and making it making it feel elevated and different. That's why it's the Ryder Cup. That's why it's different. But I do think 
your clarification is important there because that that angle coming out on the later end was like, wait a second. I don't know that that was, uh, you know, I, I understand. I, I will say this. I can understand Joe LaCava carrying the bag for his guy all day long and, and just hearing it and wanting to stand up for his guy. But there's a way to do that that's different from 100%. actually impacting a putt yeah. that could have had the match and saved a half point for Europe. So definitely want to keep an eye on. I'm curious if this bleeds over well, the next one last bow on that as okay. well is sure. is um, I even if if he doesn't feel comfortable saying it to the media or the public about complaining about the Ryder Cup players not being paid. I am on team. The players a hundred percent should be paid, paid for this. Totally is, if you go out there and you see all the hospitality and you see how much money the PGA of America makes on this event, these players should be paid for this. And there's going to be people that listen to this and say, this is, this, this is separate from, from guys getting paid. Like they shouldn't be paid because this is history. These players haven't been paid since the beginning of this thing. It's just, yeah let's let's look in the mirror here and let's go look and see how much money the PGA makes on this. And it's, if you go see the, that big old building in Frisco, like it's from the, this event. And I just think the player should get a, a little cut. Um, and whether it's a, I don't know what the cut should be. I mean, sure. it's, it may be something like a hundred thousand bucks a guy. And I think every guy would be like, you know what? That's at least it's something, you know? And that's, so that that's that right there. That's one point two million dollars. I've read, and I, you shouldn't be quoted specifically on this, but I've seen that that on average the PGA of America makes upwards of thirty million a year on this event. <laughs> so you're taking out one point two million to make it worth a while for these guys. I don't think that that's unfair, and and I think it's like these guys are generating some form of value. Like I'm sorry, the the whole you know love of the game thing and that feels like it falls in the same bucket as like why we're not paying collegiate athletes, which is yeah. kind of a farce to me for well, all just, the value that's generated. Why don't so. we just kind of like say that if the United States basketball team, the NBA's best players, go and play in Europe against the Europeans' best players in a basketball series, do you think the players would say, yeah, we'll do it for free? I yeah, just don't, I it just yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, there's a ton of history with this and why the guys aren't being paid, but I think it's something that it's eventually going to get addressed and uh, we can go into it later, but that's just something yeah. I want to no, tie a bow not, on and say yeah. that um, it, this isn't taboo. This isn't something that players can't not talk about because I think they have a legitimate argument here. Yeah. And, and, and listen, we're kind of running short on, on our time here for this recap. And, and like I said, we will have a full recap later in the week getting into this. Um, w- what I'm excited to talk about later this week is going to be the, the, the way that Europe rode their horses. Rory, four points earned this week. Victor Hovland, three and a half. John Rom three. Tommy Fleetwood, three. Tyrrell Hatton, three. I mean, those guys showed up in a huge way for the Europeans. On the, on the American side, Max Homa was the only American to win more than two points, three and a half points. So, you know, maybe some quick thoughts on that group there, yeah. knowing that we're going to kind of unpack this in further depth later on. Well, for all the, you know, the avid listeners, they've kind of known where my stance has been on the European team and the fact that I knew that the three best players in the world outside of what Scotty has done being the number one you player in the Vic world. early this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah like those three year. guys. Um, I knew we we're going to be a big time problem. I felt like maybe one or two had to have weeks where they only had one or one and a half points. And for all three of those guys to be just the stalwarts that they were, you know, it was going to be an issue. And then, you know, the the two sleepers that I had on both teams, um, the guy that really showed up and 
and outside of Tommy Tommy Fleetwood, who was a guy I actually had more. I didn't consider him a sleeper. I considered him to be one of the, the top players Studs, outside yeah. of those three, but was uh, Tyrrell Hatton. I felt like Tyrrell yeah. Hatton hasn't shown up in majors. He's been very good um, on the DP World Tour, winning a lot over there. I don't think he's he's won maybe once on the PGA Tour. Um, he hasn't knocked down the door, like I said, of any major championships. This was a big week for him. Um, I felt like he played really well and and the fact that he got three points and he was one of their best players, I, he, they couldn't have Hatton play bad. They couldn't have Matthew Fitzpatrick have a bad week because outside of that, you just didn't know what you were going to get. We kind of knew how good their young talent was in that European room, but we didn't know if they'd show up. So um, I think when you look at it um, now at with the beginning of the year of what this European team was going to look like and what it looks like now and the result they got, I mean, just the job that Luke Donald did um, setting up this golf course, getting this team to believe in each other and taking down an American team that they were, as Patrick Harrington said on our podcast with beef, you know, they written them off as dead and no chance in Rome. Why even show up? But tell you what, for a long time there, it looked like they were going to be the all time leading point scorer in, in uh, Ryder cup history. So uh, what a week for Europe and, uh, and Luke Donald and that entire team and their top players carrying, carrying the load and, um, and all the jingles and stuff from the fans that keep it, keep me interested the whole time as well. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned beef because as we speak, we've got the, the crack, uh, smiley show team of Taylor's working on your measurements for the Alabama Jersey that you're going to be wearing to pay off this bet. So, you know, I, I think you're going to look great in crimson. Um, Shut up, I'm just excited just to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe we can come up with a fun jingle for that, you know, smiley in the crimson smiley smiley in the crimson in the <laughs> i hate it here uh, <laughs> well i'll tell you what uh really fun week uh fun to interact with a lot of people you know listeners and viewers of the show um on the subject of the Ryder cup had a little drama last night and had a little bit of drama this morning so it turned yeah. out to be to be a good one and you know like we said we're, we're going to continue discussing this uh you know maybe with some players involved as well yeah. uh, as we as we kind of you know get we're a little not further done about it we're not done talking about this so we appreciate you joining us for the ride this week oh one one more one more from yeah i just want to go and put my nomination for captain for the beth page u.s team tiger cat the big cat tiger tiger woods i love that did you hear zinger say tiger and sergio tiger and sergio he said that on air he said that on air oh man so he already he already took my Took my lane and ran with it. So everybody already well, knows. My- I, no, I, I think Tiger was the obvious one, but I think Sergio, okay. I mean, if, if we find a way back with, with the whole live thing, Hey, Sergio pay, I tell you what, Sergio pay $700,000 and then you can be the captain of, of team Europe at Beth page. How's that? I sound? guess he could captain. Um, <laughs> you know, there was the vice captains for the European side. It, it was just a, it was an odd bunch of gr- group of guys, you know, like yeah. it was the Molinari's and uh, Cole Sar. Like it was just, it was a very interesting group. And the fact that it wasn't very recognizable compared to the U S side, which had Freddie couples, Davis loves Steve Stricker, yeah. Jeff Furyk, guys that, uh, are so recognizable. It, what Europe did this week. I mean, it just yeah. was, it was incredible. Eduardo with the stats. I mean, that's, that's the type of stuff that makes a difference. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun recapping it. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and watching, and we will be back here on Thursday, I think with a new episode. We'll see. We'll talk to you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. 
If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.